The Fabulous 413 podcast is funded by Northeast Solar, helping customers make the switch to solar for savings, energy security, and tax incentives. Learn more at northeast-solar.com. Welcome to the Fabulous 413. I'm Khalees Smith. And I'm Monty Belmonte. Later in the show, we'll hear from reggae superstar and former member of the Tom Tom Club, Mystic Bowie, who's bringing his Talking Heads tribute, Talking Dreads, to Gateway City Arts in Holyoke next week. And we'll also hear from you about your favorite places for holiday lights on the streets of the 413. And we'll give you our list of some of our favorite holiday movies and specials. If you want to share your favorites with us, email thefab413 at nepm.org. But first... Season's greetings. Hey, season's greetings back. Nobody says that enough. I know. <laughs> it's all only written on cards, I guess. Merry Christmas, season greetings, and I was f- you. <laughs> <laughs> Time for our weekly check-in with U.S. Congressman from the 2nd Congressional District of Massachusetts, Congressman Jim McGovern. Congressman, we were together earlier this week at uh, Deerfield Academy, where the Greenfield Recorder and the Franklin County Chamber of Commerce were honoring the Citizen of the Year. And the Citizen of the Year this year was Good Ben Clark, fruit farmer from Clarkdale Fruit Farm, 45 years old, which in my opinion, too young to be Citizen of the Year. How how are you going to make him feel old? What is he going to achieve after that? For, amongst other things, being a board member of CISA, being a part of the Board of Trustees of Deerfield Academy, being a volunteer firefighter, and for rescuing a woman from those horrific floods back in July when uh, a woman on Lower Road's car was being washed away and Ben Clark swooped in to rescue Lee Oldenburg. You were there. You were honoring him. Tell us your thoughts about that event and and about the work of Ben Clark. Well, I mean, Ben Clark... uh is not only a great man, but more importantly, he's a very, very good man. You know, he's somebody that is always there at every good cause. He is first in line. You mentioned all the stuff that he's been involved with and all of his accomplishments and his heroism as well. Um, But he's just genuinely a good, good guy. And I joke that, you know, I go to lots of events where people are named person of the year or person of the month or, you know, the lifetime achievement award. And sometimes I sit there and say, okay, well, it sounds like this person's being nominated because they ran out of people's honor, but not, not the case with Ben Clark. I mean, I think everybody in that dining hall uh, at Deerfield Academy, every single person I believe agrees that there's nobody better to honor. There's many blessings uh, that come with serving in elected office, but uh, I think the biggest blessing is that you meet people that are really extraordinary. Uh, and Ben is one of those people, uh, and, uh, you know, we'll be friends for life, but I, I, I just, uh, I have the highest respect for him and his entire family, by the way, this whole family is, uh, wonderful. So yeah, generational uh, legacy farmers working there in Deerfield. One of the things that, uh, Ben Clark mentioned at the event is his work with you on stopping, uh, natural gas, fracked gas, actually pipeline that would have cut through large parts of Franklin County, including his farm. farm. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that effort? I remember, you know, walking with him through his farm, showing as he showed me where the pipeline would go and, you know, all the, uh, the fruit trees that would be destroyed and basically worried that their farm wouldn't be able to produce what it needs to produce to be, uh, successful. And, uh, that to me was, uh, you know, it was outrageous what, what this company was trying to do. And uh, we had rallies at, uh, at Clarkdale Farm. We, we had meetings there. You know, I think a lot of the reason why 
Kinder Morgan packed up and walked away was because of the activism that came out of Clarkdale Farm and all the all the meetings and all the strategy sessions that happened there. But you know, I I remember walking through as he was showing me how the farm would be destroyed, and I was like, why in the world is it in anybody's interest? Why why would anyone want to do anything that would disrupt and destroy this incredible successful farm? And, and basically kind of ruin this historical legacy of this remarkable family that has been there for, for generations. And so in the event, uh, he deserves a lot of the credit for kind of getting people organized and certainly keeping politicians accountable. You know, there's an old saying, sometimes good guys finish first. Well, he did in this case, um, and I'm glad for that. One thing that did happen at the event is that uh, you brought the wrong commendation. I did, yeah. <laughs> What did yeah, you I brought my speech from the night before uh, <laughs> that I uh, well I had to leave early. I mean because you know I had to be there at seven thirty and I'm, I'm, I live in Worcester, so it took me you know so I, I took the the wrong green folder and so the the speech that I delivered at, at, at Temple Emmanuel I, I could have handed him, but I I, I I've since corrected it. Uh, ben Clark is one of the farmers who this past growing season was affected by the dramatic weather frosts, not so much the floods on his farm, but there was more flooding even this week. I know Grow Food Northampton and some of the community gardens there experienced another major hit. Lots of farms underwater again this week in December, the end of December. What are you hearing from farms in your district and how much more help is the federal government going to be able to offer when these events are happening, not once a hundred years, not once a year even, but multiple times in the course of one year? Well, it's one of the reasons why we need to pass the farm bill. We we need to constantly readjust, you know, some of these programs to take into account these natural disasters. And so, you know, I'm trying. I'm getting. So I'm trying to get a accounting as to how much of this flooding in December is permanent damage, and we're, we're in the process of doing that right now. But you know, the the federal government, the state government, you know, has to step up if there is damage that that needs to be addressed. And as you know, what we did. Previously, uh, because the federal government, the state government wasn't doing enough, is we helped raise money privately to help our farms uh, stay afloat. Uh, and that was a successful effort. And it was also encouraging to me because it, it made me un- realize that there are people all over this state who appreciate our farms and who understand how vital they are, not only in terms of providing food supply, but they're vital to our economy. Uh, they're vital to protecting our environment. Um, and we need to protect them, and we need to have the backs of our farmers when these natural disasters occur. You know, and my hope is we can move beyond these weather events that are so destructive. But every time they happen, we have to come together as a community and make sure that our governments, as well as what we can do privately, are, are pushed forward so that we can we can we can help sustain them. Yeah, according to Phil Corman and CISA, with all the private philanthropy and the public support, it's only covered half of the losses of this year. So is the farm bill a place where something could happen to help bolster these especially small farmers, given that it's unlikely that these events are going to go away anytime soon? Yeah, it, it, it could. And, you know, we need to work with the with USDA to to say, look, this is the new reality. So what are you doing to adjust to this new reality? The the, the challenge with the farm bill, as you know, is is we have a divided Congress. Uh, we have a leadership in the House that, quite frankly, doesn't appreciate the importance of a farm bill. 
you know, and there's a concern that if we were to pass a farm bill rather than just an extension, which is not perfect, but at least it's not gunning the farm bill. But if we were to pass a farm bill under Republican leadership in the House, that it would look very, very differently. And a lot of the farmers that we all appreciate in, in Massachusetts and New England would not be recognized in what might come out of this Congress. So we're, we're trying to figure out what we can get done. But, um, you know, elections do matter. And when we have people that approach farming as survival of the fittest, that the bigger the farm, the better the farm, you get one product. And when you get a different leadership that understands that every farm, no matter the size, is important, not only in terms of our food supply, but in terms of our environment, you get a different result. So I don't know what's going to happen uh, this year, but uh, I'm not going to support a farm bill that turns us back on our small and medium-sized farms. Speaking with U.S. Congressman Jim McGovern, McGoverning with McGovern. Speaking of elections, as this year winds down and we head into 2024, we're going to all start thinking about the presidential elections once again. Primaries are just around the corner, but an interesting development in Colorado where that state is using the 14th Amendment, Section 3, to prohibit anyone who has sworn an oath to the Constitution and then engaged in an insurrection from holding office. Again, it's the first time this provision has been used to prohibit someone from running for the presidency. I'm sure this is going to go to the Supreme Court to have a final say, but there are even some conservative legal scholars that say this legal argument is unassailable. J. Michael Luddig is being quoted in Politico today saying that this is the exact reason this amendment was put in the Constitution after the Civil War. Massachusetts has certain legal scholars have been saying they may try a a similar attempt. Is this going to be good for the psychology of the people that already think that Donald Trump, there's a witch hunt against him? And is this truly a way forward, not for the Democratic Party, but for the country that will hold us together rather than separate us? I mean, in a perfect world, I would like to just see him defeated outright in an old-fashioned election. But I understand the arguments, and I'm not a legal scholar, so I'm, you know, I'm not the best person to be able to argue the merits of all this. But Donald Trump has been a disaster for our democracy. He has tried time and time again to blow it up, to destroy it. And I really believe that if he were to prevail again, that uh, he would move us closer toward fascism and toward a, a, a one-person rule than we've ever seen in this country. It, 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 I, I, lose, I literally lose sleep at night when I think about the potential that he could be back in the White House. And it is also scary to me that so many people, people I know, people I've worked with in various capacities over the years, locally and also in Washington, continue to be winded his back. You know, I mean, I think we are, we, you know, we always talk about every time we get to a presidential election, oh, this is the most important election of our lifetime. We, we say that over and over and over again. But this time really, 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 really is. It, this is really about our system of government, our form of government. And it really could come to an end. And I'm amazed how many people seem oblivious to it or don't care or still support him nonetheless. Those of us who care about democracy, we're going to have to double down and work harder than ever. And this is one of these years where, you know, I mean, I don't agree with Joe Biden on everything. And, you know, because, oh, don't you wish you had a younger president? Yeah, I, I wish I was younger too, right? But This is a year where what is on the ballot literally is whether our democracy will continue or whether it ends. And I want it to continue as imperfect as it is. I want it to continue and it can't continue if this guy were to end up in the White House. Again, I'm not a legal expert and I've heard pros and cons about, you know, what this decision means. There are ways around it. He will go to the Supreme Court. I have no trust 
that the Supreme Court will ever do what's in the interest of the American people, uh, quite frankly. So, I mean, we'll have to see what happens. But I think we should not comfort ourselves by saying, oh, this means that he can't seize power. I think this election is far from over and uh, his forces are not going to give up. And I worry about violence and I worry about rhetoric that continues to do great and maybe permanent damage to our country as we move forward. Speaking with U.S. Congressman Jim McGovern, this is the time of year everybody likes to look back and remember. I know that it's been a particularly insane year in the House of Representatives. There was just recently the expulsion of a member of Congress, which is a historic event. You had a speaker change from within the party, the Republican Party uh, midstream here, which is a historic event. Is there anything that you in particular or your party, the Democrats in the House of Representatives, did accomplish this year that you feel particularly proud of? Well, I mean, I, I, what I'm proud of is that, that we successfully did some important damage control in terms of preventing measures moving forward that I think would have undermined our democracy. You know, this has not been a, a, a Congress of very many accomplishments. In fact, uh, only 27 laws have been enacted so far. And you compare that to previous Congresses, it basically would have accomplished nothing. And of those 27 laws enacted, a lot of them are post offices, post office namings and stuff like that. So this has not been a Congress uh, that has accomplished very much for the American people uh, at a time when you know there, there's great need out there. I and mean, we do we do we do our walk for hunger. We do it because there are hungry people in our community. Congress has done zero uh, in this last year to help address the issue of hunger. So I, I can't you know do a positive spin at the end of the year on, oh, we did, but you know, this wasn't as good as we wanted to, but we did this. There's really not a lot of good things that were done. This Congress will be remembered for damage control. Um, uh, you know, the, that's a success measure, in my opinion, of what we were able to prevent. And that's really not a very satisfactory way to end the year. Uh, we have problems in this country. Um, you know, we, we hunger is still a problem. It's still getting, it's getting worse. We got to be doing something about it um, and not just the march that you lead every year, which is helpful to the people in our community. But this is a problem all over the country. And um, we, we need to function and we need to be more productive. And I hope we get to that point sooner rather than later. Totally bumming me out. Then, well, I, I mean, I'm, I, I was trying to put a good spin on yeah, it. Yeah, you know, you did. You did a good job. You know, you're trying to yeah. shine a sneaker here, I guess. But uh, speaking with U.S. Congressman Jim McGovern, it has, we mentioned, a, a tumultuous year in the House of Representatives. It looks like we're looking forward to a tumultuous 2024. But let's pause for a moment and think about the good things. What are some of your personal McGovern family holiday traditions that you're looking forward to over the next couple weeks? Um, you know, we, we gather as a family. Um, I think this year we're going to be at my, my, my sister's house. Um, and we're going to, you know, we'll, we'll have a, a nice Christmas dinner and what do you eat? Um, everything. Um, so we have a little bit of, you know, we'll, we'll have a Turkey, uh, we're having, uh, a, a Tuscan pork shoulder that Ooh, I make nice. uh, uh, yeah, with fennel and pepper is really, it's actually pretty, pretty good. Um, and then, um, you know, we'll have, a thousand other things. Uh, the night before we go to my uh, my aunt's house, and she's Italian, and so we we have this great kind of Italian spread uh, that she puts out. You know, fish and you know pastas and all kinds of meats, and it's all wonderful. Wait a minute, are you so, are you half you know, Italian? No, no. Okay. My mother's brother married a woman who was Italian. Okay, so good move on we, his part. Yeah, I know. 
My side is Irish and Polish, okay. with a little bit of Lithuania. Uh, yeah, so gotcha. yeah, but uh, but it's nice to be together with with, uh, with family and and friends, and um, you know, because with all the craziness happening in the world, I think sometimes we forget to take stock of the fact that um, you know there's some good things in our lives, and our families are front and center. Uh, and I'm very lucky. I have a great family, and you know, and I'm I and I actually. Look, some people don't look forward to the holidays. I, I actually do. And so um, it'll be fun. And um, I, I get a couple more days of, of, of doing some work, and then we're then I'm off for a little bit. That's great. Enjoy your time off. Uh, thank you so much for being on this show for the course of the last year, answering questions for me, from our listeners, for the March for the Food Bank, and all of, all of the above. Uh, happy holidays to you, Congressman Jim McGovern. Looking forward to talking to you again in the new year. Well, I wish you all the best um, as well, and um, and thank you for keeping us informed and uh, raising relevant issues and challenging us to be better. And my hope is that in the next year, uh, we will all be better at whatever we choose to do. So anyway, I appreciate being on the show, and, and I wish you all the best, and we'll talk soon. Talk soon. Merry Christmas. You too. Merry Christmas. McGovern wants us to be better. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Coming up, where to find the best holiday lights in the 413 and some of our favorite holiday movies, specials, and traditions. But up next, the band who Khaleesi's band is opening up for at Gateway City Arts in Holyoke next week, reggae superstar Mystic Bowie. Shameless plug. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on 88.5 NEPM. Thursday, December 28th, Gateway City Arts in Holyoke, an incredible show, Mystic Bowie, performing with none other than the greatest party band based in Western Massachusetts, The Soul Magnets, starring our very own Khalees Smith. And joining us from the show is not only Khalees Smith, who joins us on every show here, but Mystic Bowie himself, and two of the folks who are going to be performing with Mystic Bowie that are no strangers to the Valley music scene, Jay Metcalf and Dan Thomas. Mystic Bowie's Talking Dreads is a a musical revolution of Talking Heads music. Also, Mystic Bowie, a former member of the Tom Tom Club, which also was uh, grown out of the Talking Heads. Mystic Bowie, thanks for joining us from your home in Connecticut. Thanks very much for having me. I appreciate you guys. <laughs> your musical career is enormous, but can you give us the the big points for people who aren't as familiar with you? Sure. Um, actually, I don't think it's enormous because most people don't know me or know about me. You, you've played you know, with so I, I many guess, legends over the years, though. They I mean. should like, know you, about you. With, you've played with so many folks, not just Tom Tom Club and like the talking dress thing, but like bringing this project together, you got to play with legends. Like you've played with legends in your solo career. So like, yeah, Fre- like we're talking reggae legends like Freddie McGregor and Ernest Wranglin, who you're still very close with and communicate with often. Ernest. Yeah. You should see the photos on his phone. <laughs> I make me very jealous. Yeah. <laughs> I was I'm actually, I'm a very fortunate young man. I started out really early. I was discovered when I was nine years old, and I did my first song then for Jack Ruby record label when I was nine. Uh, when I was 14 is when I started doing the first set of shows for um, Island Records, Chris Blackwell. Basically, they would have me sing in the hotels, you know, after school, cabarets and stuff like that after school. Through that, 
I start getting more exposure. I start into they have me entering competition like the Jamaica Cultural Development Commission have their competition. I won two years in a row um, as a teenage singer, and that kind of widened my the road for me a little bit, where more artists start to rec- you know start to recognize the name and my talent. Just before my fifteenth birthday, I went to NASA Bahamas to perform uh, for the Jankano Festival and. The place where I was staying across the street was the on the beach was the, the Campus Point um, Hotel, and on the opposite side of the road is the Campus Point Recording Studio, which was owned by Chris Blackwell. And I, at night, when my caretaker would go to sleep and thought that I was asleep, I would sneak out to the window and go hang out by the studio. But the cool <laughs> thing about it, nobody in the studio would chase me away. They all welcomed me. When they're doing certain things, they would tell me to get out of the room. Obviously, you're talking about musicians. Like at the time that was there, we're talking about Keith Emerson, Grace Jones, Sly and Robbie, Dean Fraser, Freddie McGregor. You you name it, everybody was there. That's where they all hang out. You know, so I was there with all these folks, and some were doing stuff that they didn't want a teenager to see or to expose. So um, from there, it's kind of widened the horizon again for me. Then I moved to Florida. At the time, Island Records had an office in Queens, New York, and they wanted most to move to New York. I tried it, but honestly, I hate living in a city. <laughs> I literally got sick because I wasn't accustomed to the horns and sirens and all the noise that goes with a city, knowing me who is from literally the deep jungles in the mountains of Jamaica. I couldn't handle it. So I, at the time, I was dating a young lady from Connecticut, and she suggested, well, instead of moving back to Jamaica, which she didn't want me to. She said, why don't you move to Connecticut? That's what I did. And when I moved there is when I realized I was not the only musician that actually was hiding out in Connecticut as a home because they have easy access to New York. (laughs) Right next to me, literally, like two houses from me was Keith Richards. Nile, Nile Rogers was just literally behind me. Tom Cruise had a house four houses from me (laughs) across the street from Paul Newman. And it was like, just keep getting crazier and crazier (laughs) because it's a good party. (laughs) I didn't realize all these people were there. You all think we're in New York City, but we're not. You might be in Connecticut, like Mystic Bowie, who will come up from Connecticut on Thursday, December 28th, to Gateway City Arts in Holyoke, where he's going to be playing with the Soul Magnets opening up, featuring Khalees Smith, and also playing with two other local heroes who were in the studio with us, Jay Metcalf and Dan Thomas. Let's let you, Dan, talk about your relationship musically with uh, Mystic Bowie here, how you ended up playing with them, and then I think bringing Jay into the fold as well, right? Yeah, so um, this is sort of a serendipitous kind of meeting here because, you know, I've been playing in the Valley for a little over 20 years now. And some years ago, uh, Jay actually encouraged me to start playing reggae and not only start playing reggae, but start playing it correctly. Um, So, And Jay was really instrumental in kind of coaching me on the things to, to look for in my playing that, you know, I hadn't found in other styles of music. So then fast forward, and these days, you know, I'm really kind of fell in love with this style of music to where, you know, I'm listening to Ernest Wranglin at work all day and playing it, playing his music in my trio shows. And then I found myself 
playing with some friends, um, and we actually formed a Talking Heads cover band called Slippery People. (laughs) (laughs) So I've got this Talking Heads tribute band, local, that you can catch sometimes. We'll probably be, uh, we like to frequent the Marigold in East Hampton. It's It's our favorite place. And on the other side, I'm playing a lot of dub and reggae and ska. So then Jay and Mystic had got in touch with me this summer and said, hey, we have this band. We play Talking Heads music in Jamaican styles, reggae, ska, rock steady, you know, <laughs> you name it. Are you interested? And I don't know what a more perfect. It's like the Reese's Pieces commercial. It really <laughs> is, you know. And then he sends, and then Mystic sends his records to check out, you know, like here, learn these parts. That's Ernest Wrangling on the guitar. That's Sly and Robbie on the bass. And you know, I've been chasing this these guys' music for years, and here I am learning the parts of these masters to play these songs with Mystic. This is a match made in heaven right here. I'm like, how is how are these things all kind of coming together? It's it's very it's very serendipitous. Jay, how did you get involved with Mystic? I I met Mystic. It was like yeah, it was that Blue Ocean Music Hall last uh, last May, two Mays ago. I was opening in the opening band, and I remember seeing the band like 15 years earlier at Wormtown, and being like, what's this band all about? And uh, I've been like carrying my way through the Connecticut reggae scene, it seems. And this bass player that came on board with Don Minot out of Hartford, um, Robin. I was down at his house one day, stayed a little extra long. And in that time, Mystic called, said he was looking for a keyboard player. And Robin said, come on over. I got somebody right here. was meant to be. And Dan Thomas and Jay Metcalf will be playing (laughs) with Mystic Bowie, who we keep referencing as Mystic. He's from Connecticut, but not Mystic. Uh, But we'll be in Holyoke (laughs) on Thursday, December 28th on Kalee Smith and her band Soul Magnets will be opening up. Uh, Maybe you'll be part of Mystic Bowie's band sooner than later there, Kalee. I have Exactly. You never know. Uh, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) What made you bring the styles of music that you've grown up with to Talking Heads? How did you get into Talking Heads? Living in Jamaica as a child, Talking Heads music was one of the few real alternative rock music that was playing on the radio in Jamaica. Behind the scene, they were managed by by, um, Chris Blackwell, the owner for Island Records. And I would sing a lot of shows for Chris Blackwell at his hotels just the same way. So I would always hear Talking Heads music and the fact that it wasn't the typical, it was very different. I'm not the typical reggae guy because I grew up in a tribal village. So I, as a child, I wasn't a reggae singer, believe it or not. I would sing the traditional Jamaica, traditional cultural music, which is called mento. So I would sing more like mento, ska, and calypso. Those were my genres as a tribal kid. And that's the reason why I would stick out and get a lot of these hotel gigs because I wasn't the typical reggae. And the fact that I was so into different styles of music, once I started hearing talking his music, what drew me the most to them was those lyrics. I want to be able to dissect those lyrics and kind of put myself in that singer's shoe. Where were you in your, in your life or in your own little world when you wrote these lyrics? And then we start getting into that drum and bass section, which those are the folks that I met at Campus Point. You know, Chris and Tina, actually, until today, they still own a condominium in the same building that I used to say. They still own it. And Chris and Tina are Chris France and Tina Weymouth, who are founding members of Talking Heads and also part of the Tom Tom Club, which <laughs> you, Mystic, uh, have also played with. Yes, I sang with the Tom Tom Club for over 20 years. So I was living with them, and I watched all the offers came in, you know, 
why don't you just do a Talking Heads tour? Do a Talking Heads album, whatever, whatever. And they want to do it. David is saying no. And Jerry Harrison is saying yes. David Byrne is saying no. You know, and at one point I was on the tour and I just like, man, I want this band to get back together so bad. So, you know, the best thing I think I can do to get the band back together without the band, I'm going to do their music in my genre. My <laughs> so I actually asked every single member of Talking Heads before I actually went out publicly with the idea. What do you think about me redoing your songs in reggae? And everybody, 100% were in support of it. What I was doing. There was one song in it that um, I, need to, I needed to have a female singer on it. I need a female voice on that certain song called Heaven. It's one of my favorite Talking Heads songs, but I know it wasn't one of the bigger, one of the bigger, more popular songs. I called Cindy Wilson from B-52s and asked her if she'd sing it with me, and she said yes. So Cindy sang um, Heaven with me. And it was just this amazing, amazing recording project. One of the engineers that mixed, recorded and mixed a lot of the songs on the album, Stephen Stanley, is the engineer that actually recorded Tom Tom Club, all their songs. So it's like bringing to, to, to Talking Heads and Tom Tom Club, it's like me went around and brought back all their players, all their, their friends together. Before we actually did the recording, I, I went to Seymour Stein's office. Seymour Stein, he passed away. He was a founder for Sawyer Records and the president for uh, Warner Brother. He discovered Talking Heads, Blandy, B-52s, Ramones, and all those guys at CBGBs. And so I went to him and asked him what he thought about the idea. What do you think about the idea of me recording Talking Heads music? And he said, listen, you have my blessing as long as you put one song and, and as long as I get to choose one song. <laughs> so he, I asked what song and he said, love goes to building on fire. He said, that's, that's the song Talking Heads was playing the night at CBGB's when he heard them and walked inside and signed them. So he said, you have to put that on the album and you have my blessing. So uh, I did. And when the album was recorded, I walked into New York City, back into his office, and handed him a copy of the vinyl record. So I have a copy. I have a picture of Seymour Stan and I standing here, him holding the Talking Dreads vinyl record in his hand with one of the songs that he chose. So man, it's, I've been living the dream. I've been living <laughs> absolute dream. And Mystic Bowie, it worked because Talking Heads is talking about they're savoring the moment that they're having with the re-release of the 30th, no, 40th anniversary. <laughs> oh my God, I'm an old man. I've stopped making sense. <laughs> that happened uh, this past fall. So I think all your hard work, Mystic Bowie, it's good. This band is is talking again. Who is luckier than I am? <laughs> Me. <laughs> Dan Thomas I get to play, to play with Mystic in Mystic's Bowie band. and Jay Metcalf <laughs> two Valley musicians will be playing with Mystic Bowie at Gateway City Arts in Holyoke on Thursday December 28th along with Khalees Smith and the Soul Magnets yeah stop shouting me out so now back to you young lady oh Soul Magnets you're gonna see us. Who's interviewing who? I know, right? Like we just got everything got turned on its head. Best party band in the Here's valley. The thing. I don't really do interviews. I do reasoning. I like to chat. I like to banter. <laughs> I like to chat and banter. I'm not gonna be the only one answering questions. Okay. You know what I mean. You're gonna ask her a question? Uh no, no I wanna know where the name came from. And oh, where started. the name came from? The guy who mostly does a lot of our organizing, um, Luke Yeager, came up with it. I can't remember where he got it from. And frankly, we're not the only soul magnets. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, but we are the ones with the domain name. So like, whatever. 
<laughs> I like to call them the soul magnates because the possession is ninety percent of the law. The or big something. wigs of soul. Yeah. I guess the end of it is that the rest of us are really bad at naming things, and he had the catchiest thing. I asked out of curiosity because I know that there's multiple soul magnates out there. Yeah. That's why I was curious how you. Uh, and now I'm even more curious to hear what your soul magnet sounds like. <laughs> like funk and soul, mostly. We got a horn section, it's fun. Ooh. <laughs> it's kind of another Valley super group, just made up of yeah. players who are just some, oh, of yeah. the, some of the best players in the Valley playing That's around with powerful. other projects. We're really, really lucky to have Dave Trenholm in our band, who just like is a insane musician this is one of the he's awesome. one of those people who just picks up an instrument and knows how to play it learned to play violin for for a trans performance one year like three days before he had to go on and play it with king radio yeah he's one of those people he's the hardest working and, man at trans performance seriously and him jj and ken mayor right. <laughs> i'm looking forward to sharing the stage with you guys <laughs> it's gonna be great one last question so you said that your favorite talking head song is heaven but what is the favorite one of my favorites what is your favorite one that you You've redone that is on this album oh man it's, it's hard to say it's really hard to say because that changes based on my mood so what what's my favorite today might not be the favorite tomorrow so it's kind of difficult to answer that question <laughs> what's your favorite today today i have to i have to go with, with um it's actually not the talking head song but, mm. but it's on the talking dreads album mm. today my favorite from the album was peace of my heart Peace of My Heart is a Janis Joplin song that we did on the Talking Dreads album. It's a song that my mom would sing whenever she's upset. So like she's singing that song. We, we grown up in Jamaica, we never heard that song. But my mom would sing that song and we, you know, we know somebody, one of the kids are in trouble. But it just so happened that yesterday, one of my mom's friends got ill and we were talking, you know, I called her, she's in Jamaica. We're talking about my mom, and this morning she's like, can, can you send me that song again, please, that your mom used to sing, that you redid? So I sent Peace of My Heart to her. So today, that's my favorite song. That's amazing. Mystic Bowie and Mystic Bowie's Talking Dreads are going to be playing at Gateway City Arts in Holyoke in one of the last shows of this incarnation of that wonderful venue in Holyoke. They're going to be playing with Jay Metcalf and Dan Thomas, as well as with Khalees Smith and the Soul Magnets opening up. Uh, this has been a great chat, Mystic Bowie. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Can't wait to see the show on the 28th. Thank you very much for having me. But you know what's pretty cool? I was supposed to be in Jamaica right now. But when Jay mentioned that show, I've decided we're going to stay and we're going to do that show. And I'm actually flying, literally leaving that show straight to the airport to fly to Jamaica. The next <laughs> we might go with you. <laughs> I'd like to. Oh, Yo, and- you all should come down. I'm telling you, I have an amazing a writer's camp that I have up in the mountains. You guys should de- just come down. You have a place to crash, man. All right. We're coming. I mean, I don't need more than an invite. God help us. And as a quick aside, one of those ska projects, one of those side projects from Dan Thomas's band, the Valley Moon Stomper Society, they are playing their traditional ska and rock steady at the Marigold Theater in East Hampton tonight. So if you want to go get your rock steady on, you absolutely can and should support your local music scene. Up next, we'll share some of our favorite holiday movies and traditions. And we'll hear about some of your favorite locations in Western Mass to see the cool Yule lights. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on 88.5 NEPM. Welcome back to the Fabulous 413. I'm Monty Belmonte. And I'm Khalees Smith. What does that song remind you of? I mean, 
now. Okay. Like right now. To me, it's Home Alone. Well, there's that too. And it's also used in the Santa Claus, which is the Tim Allen one. They use it a million times in that, so it's prompted me and my friends to just break out into a at any random time. We're going to talk about some of our favorite holiday movies like maybe Home Alone coming up in just a little bit. We're, we're going to make it weird, as we always do. We are definitely I mean, going to make it weird. Home Alone is great. Uh, we have a Home Alone parallel movie that we will talk about. But <laughs> we have been asking you, the listener, about where to find the best holiday lights in the fabulous 413. And many of you have sent in your suggestions and your pictures. So Some of which you can see on the NEPM Instagram and Facebook page. We'll post more as time goes on. So, you know, if you're stuck at home for whatever reason, you can still see the lights. Yeah, you can play holiday light bingo. Yeah. Go print it out from the internet <laughs> and then try to drive around to these places and see and check it off your list, the lights that we've seen here. That so is want... the opposite of what I said, but okay. Uh, you want to... <laughs> Do you want to start with the first one? <laughs> Sally Morgan sent us a, this gorgeous picture of a house that is right across the street from Holyoke High School and it's beautiful. It's got like lights on three floors. It's awesome. And everything's just covered. It's so cool. And there's hearts and there's snowmen and it's beautiful. Nancy Richards said on Harrison Ave in Greenfield, the owners add more dazzle each year, this time a Ferris wheel. When kids drop a letter to Santa in the mailbox, all letters answered if a return address is included, they get a free jingle bell on a fancy string, each one draped over the antlers of a wooden reindeer. I'm told the man of the house is a kitchen designer, which might explain the perfect placement of objects, color, and light. The train runs through Thursday through Sunday from 5.30 to 7. Then she adds, I'm a fan and regular listener of your wonderful addition to the NEPM lineup. Please don't go away. Oh, thanks. Oh, thanks, Nancy. (laughs) And she sent a movie. Too, but um, I couldn't get it to open. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, anyway, um, Dennis Bromery sent us four pictures driving past Nine Harkness Road in Pelham. It was early in the day, but the lights were still on. A lot of inflatables, several Santas, couple of candles, trees covered in lights. This was all, all ginormous and well done. What's your take on inflatables? I'm okay with them for the most part. Yeah. I mean, it's not as compelling as like the old school, like weird molded light things, but I think they're in general a lot safer and a lot easier to keep and way easier on your back. I saw somebody post on social media, uh, like an inflatable Yoda with a Santa hat on with a lightsaber and all the other inflatables were like lying deflated on the ground. <laughs> that I liked. That's pretty great. Listener Ben Benson says, I hear that Deerfield's Upper Road is on your list, but a shout out to the big guy and sent a picture of what looks like, is that Santa? I can't tell. It's got to be Santa because he said the big guy, right? I mean, You're not going to make Jesus in lights in the front of your house, probably. No, probably not. Um, it looks like a house that has lights on it that may be trying to make it look like the face of Santa. But you can go there, Upper Road uh, in Deerfield, and, and see for yourself. And if you get stranded on Lower Road, good Ben Clark Fruit Farmer from Clarkdale Fruit Farm <laughs> might come rescue you because he is the Franklin uh, County Citizen of the Year. I mean, and he did actually do that. He did for actually do that. If you missed that the year. earlier in the show with Congressman McGovern. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, Andrea Cohen sent us a picture of this house done up on Maple Street in Greenfield, where they've done in lights joy over their shed or garage, which I happily approve of. Yeah. But there's again more inflatables, lights on the tree going to the house. All of the windows are done up in lights, and there's a whole scene with snowmen and sleighs in the front yard, including candy canes. I like when candy canes are in yards. Yeah, lights all over the fence. They made a heart and a peace symbol uh, in lights there. So they're, they're, this is like as close to the National Lampoon's house as any of the suggestions we've gotten so far, I think. And then we got 
like you had mentioned this particular light setup before we even got this picture. Yeah, this is kind of the impetus for the idea of the whole thing, asking where the best right. lights are. And then we got an email from the people who helped make it. So Mike Fleck um, and this listener helped their friend Jerry on this particular tree, which has more than 20,000 light bulbs that aren't LED <laughs> on it. And it is it looks like the Dr. Seuss tree. It is just beautiful. It's completely candy cane striped in red and white. And then there are these giant dangling ornaments that are gorgeous that are all covered in lights that are either exactly the same kind of candy cane color striped or very similar matchy-matchy. You drive by – and it's the only lights on this one street, so it is totally – it draws you in like a moth to the flame. I've been by it several times It is super, super cool. (laughs) <laughs> Rita, who says she's a fan of the Fabulous Warren 3. Thank you, Rita. I'm forwarding you a video taken at a house near where my daughter lives in Arlington, Virginia. What? Formerly from the Fabulous 413, born here and raised in Shelburne Falls, she now lives in Arlington with her family, and they walk over to this house every holiday season to check it out. That's me, the Grammy, along with them. But check out the lights. Now you have something for comparison to what the Fabulous 413 has to offer. I did not get to watch that video. I couldn't make that video open either. But uh, we appreciate the effort, Granny. (laughs) We sure do. (laughs) (laughs) But we are unfortunately going to have to ask for WeTransfers instead of Google Files in the future. It's it's tricky. (laughs) It's technology is strange. And then lastly, our boss, Matt Abramovitz, said he heard a tip about the Hanush family compound in West Springfield having absolutely dynamite lights. Apparently the whole family lives on one road and really does it up. And I've seen that one yeah it's it's a thing you could probably see that from the space station i wonder if you can see it from the highway because sometimes when we leave here and i'm going south i look over to the right somewhere that looks like it's probably west springfield and i can see a glow (laughs) off the highway there but i'm trying (laughs) to pay attention to not crash so i haven't investigated it yes thank you to everyone uh who submitted your suggestions for best holiday lights Uh, we can probably post uh most of these addresses but again you know go on our social media check out the lights and let us know if you find any cooler ones yes and next we'll talk about some of our favorite holiday movies because tis the season you're listening to the fabulous 413 on nepm we celebrate uh, what is this beautiful holiday song i don't know if beautiful should be used for this song listen to how the melody plays yeah, no. Turn it up, Lil Phil. No, no, yeah. no. It sounds familiar. The voice sounds familiar. I can't think of how it, who this could be. Hmm. Let's listen just for a second more. No, let's not. Wait a minute. That sounds like Star Wars. Welcome back to the fabulous 413. That is... Princess Leia, Carrie Fisher, singing the Life Day song from one of my favorite holiday specials, the Star Wars Holiday Special. Why is it one of my favorite, you ask? Because A, it only aired once ever. And B, George Lucas then proceeded to try to destroy it. However, as a young child who loved Star Wars, I knew that this holiday special existed, and I wanted to see it my whole life. And with the advent of the internet, it is now available in its entirety on YouTube. It is unbelievable. It stars all of the principles of Star Wars. Let's hear a clip of Han Solo and Chewbacca in the Millennium Falcon from the holiday special. I know your family's waiting. I know it's an important day. I'll get you back there in time, pal. Trust me. I'm going to light speed. That's the spirit. You'll be celebrating life day before you know it. 
Life Day is the holiday that they celebrate in this special. Like I said, it stars all the principles of Star Wars, but also guest stars B. Arthur, Art Carney, Diana Carroll, Harvey Corman, and Jefferson Starship. This was on TV, y'all. Once. The but 80s now it's on the a wild, wild west. Tony Dunn, our director, you're a big Star Wars fan. Have you ever watched the entire ho- uh, holiday special? I have not because much like uh, Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park, it's an abomination that should like never, never be screened. Or it should be it should be reviled, justifiably so, and put away in a vault somewhere for all of eternity. One thing that people oft forget is that it is the Star Wars Holiday Special that introduced us to this character. You are alone. I have two droids. We've come in search of a ship that crashed near here. Maybe I can help you. I am Boba Fett. The ship you seek is nearby. Are the Imperial troops near this planet? They are here, friend. Oh, but is he a friend for long? That's where we meet Boba Fett, the Star Wars holiday special. As a cartoon. talked about this for too long. Yeah, okay. Let's talk about <laughs> this amazing holiday special. I didn't even pick any movies. We, we were having an argument, and Tony Dunn, our director, again, you are on the opposite end of this from Kalise and I. You do not believe that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. No, as much as I uh, care deeply for the both of you, you are wrong, as is anybody else who believes that. Oh. It is a movie set with it, during Christmas time. Christmas time is a backdrop. There is no moral tale involved. There is no lesson learned other than maybe not to play with guns. Um, yeah, no, it's not a Christmas movie. And you're going to you are going to dislike my one movie pick out of the ones that I have here. Well, we shall see. <laughs> it is a Christmas movie. Okay, but this is definitely a Christmas special. It is the Pee-wee's Playhouse Christmas special. Pee-wee Herman passed away this past year. I can't wait to watch this with my family. It is star-studded. Annette Funicello, the Del Rubio's Charo, Cher, Oprah, so many people. Here's a clip. You're not the president. You're Pee-wee Herman. (laughs) This package was supposed to go to the White House, not the Playhouse. Sorry, Grace. Back in the box. Since I'm already here, would you mind if I sang a song? Oh, go right ahead. What are you waiting for, Christmas? Grace Jones! Come on, what need I say more? It is the most amazingly queer holiday special there is, and I love it. Khalees, your pick. (laughs) Pee-wee's Playhouse Christmas special is pretty, pretty awesome. So, I think I am the only, like, there's one movie coming up that we're both going to talk about because it's kind of both of our favorites for weird reasons, but... This is one of my dad's favorite movies and then became one of my favorite movies. And it's set at Christmas. It is not a sense a Christmas movie in, in under Tony Dunn conditions, but it's Long Kiss Goodnight with Gina Davis and Samuel L. Jackson. He's already shaking his head. No, no. Um, I'm, it's a great movie. It's a great movie. It and is a Christmas I, and, movie. If it's set at Christmas, it's a Christmas movie as far as I'm concerned. It's a Christmas movie. Well, according to your rules, then if it's set at Christmas and it's a Christmas movie, then it's a Christmas movie. And this is one of my favorite moments in it. See you tonight. I'm not talking about the and I don't want to change your life. What? It's, um, it's, um, the song's not about linen. It's not linen. Yeah, whatever. So you cold? Yeah, freezing. Turn on the heat. It doesn't work, but it makes a very annoying noise, distracts from the cold. I'll pass. <laughs> 
<laughs> I had a car like that, and I did used to sing the lyrics like that, so there's a little special place in my heart. But the other Christmas thing I want to mention, which is a favorite of mine and several other folks, is Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. It is uh, like loosely based on the O. Henry story, Gift of the Magi. It is an utter delight of Henson artistry, and here is one of the songs from it that I absolutely adore. Go for it. When you meet somebody that don't like soul food, they still got a soul. And it don't mean that you got no rhythm if you don't like rock and roll. But if you taste like mine, you like cider, not wine, then your very favorite thing to do is get a pretty girl dancing to junk band music. And I mess with mom's barbecue. And like I said, I am not the only person who loves this special. We got an email shortly into the show from Jennifer Fossil, hands down, Emma Otter's Jeg Band Christmas. In case you don't know it, it's a Muppet thing, originally from the 1970s when I was a kid in the early 80s. It only aired on HBO. It's loosely based on O. Henry's The Gift of the Magi. To this day, it is my fave. You are not the only one. Remember when Kermit was in it, but then Kermit was bought, the Muppets were bought by Disney, so they edited Kermit out of the incarnations of Emma Otter that you watch now. It's sad. Yeah, that's sad. Do you want to do your one more and then we will save our one, our, our mutual most amazing one for the beginning of tomorrow's show? Uh, no, no, because it's uh, it's another weird one uh, and I haven't watched it in ages, ages, uh, because it's just hard to come by but my family's favorite like TV Christmas special used to be the Claymation Christmas Celebration. Yeah. It's, Too it, long a clip? Yeah. Oh. It's, it's, it's bizarre. But it involves the California raisins, and that's all you really need to know. And some misinterpretations of the Wassel song. I can't believe that I don't remember this one. I have to go back and check it out because I was so there's into the California in raisin, raisins <laughs> that there's no way I didn't uh, I didn't watch this one. Yeah, all right. Well, no. we'll, we'll give you our multiple amazing mutual pick tomorrow at the beginning of the show. And we want to know about what your favorite holiday movies and specials are, especially if they're weird. Don't give us love, actually. And Elf, we know all those are great. It's a wonderful life, blah, blah, blah. We, we want the weirdo stuff. Tony, what's yours in our last seconds here we have on the show? What's my favorite? Yeah. Oh, It's a Wonderful Life, Mr. Belmonte. It's fine that's your favorite. It's amazing. We just don't need to talk about so that many anymore. different levels. Everybody's <laughs> talked about that one a million different times. That's totally fine. Friday on The Fabulous 413, we are celebrating First Night, which is actually the last night of the year. We'll ask why they call it First Night when we speak with First Night Northampton event producer Steve Sanderson. And we'll hear live music from First Night Festivities with Father Hotep and Love Crumbs. Plus a sparkly wine Thunderdome at Dare Bottle Shop in Lennox, a pair of bubbly bottles, and a sparkly pair of sisters to taste them with. I'm Monty Belmonte. And I'm Cleese Smith, and we'll see you tomorrow on The Fabulous 413, where we will explain this music playing right here. Here comes the dawn.